From the EBKV studios in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, you're listening to Brotherly Pod, the official podcast of BrotherlyPuck.com. Brotherly Pod here is Wednesday, January 22nd, 2020, the first day of the All-Star break for the Flyers. They don't play again until next Friday against Pittsburgh. Yeah, we got a whole bunch of games to cover and uh, as well as some gritty news. But first, uh, let me introduce my co-host. First, he is the new full-time member here at Brotherly Pod. Shane Mead is joining us. Shane, how's it going? Hey, man, what's going on? I appreciate you having me on. Uh, it, doing pretty good. It's nice and warm in this studio for once. It's been fucking cold in here lately. But uh, And our guest tonight uh, from BrotherlyPuck.com, Katie Bogan's joining us. Katie, how's it going? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Doing pretty good. Before we touch upon uh, the actual games themselves, Gritty is accused of... Punching a 13-year-old kid in the back. He's being under police investigation. Uh, it, Flyers released a statement that essentially there doesn't seem to be any truth to this story. But at the same time, this is one of the craziest things I've heard. I'm surprised it took this long for Gritty to get any kind of pushback, considering his whole gimmick <laughs> is assaulting people. <laughs> yeah, man. Gritty... Uh... First of all, I laughed out loud when that first came out. And immediately, like I just said, fuck that kid. Like, he probably deserved to be punched. <laughs> that was pretty much my stance. And now to find out that, honestly, it's probably BS to begin with. Punch him anyway. Like, whatever. Yeah, punch him harder. Good for you, Gritty. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even think it was real when it came out. I thought it was just like a, a joke. But then as I was uh, scrolling farther on Twitter, I was like, oh, wait, no. This is actually a real lawsuit. Yeah, when it first came out, Dave Is- uh, I saw a tweet by Dave Isaac, and he's like, oh, I'm surprised it took this long for Gritty or something. I'm like, what's he talking about? And then the timeline started flooding in with the uh, the, the tweets. Of, oh, Gritty got arrested for punching. I'm like, what? So that's a, that's a bizarre little uh, way to start the, the, the break here, and it's always something with Philadelphia. It's hilarious. The guy even... I Facebooked out. I, I don't know. Facebook. I think that's a, you can use that in that particular it's way. Fly. Yeah, we're going to roll with it. <laughs> uh, Flyers autograph party in skate. It was a great day with my little guy. You can't call a 13 year old little guy. Like the dad deserves to be punched too. So honestly, <laughs> like if the kid wasn't punched already, the dad's got to be next, like show up in court, hop the bench, go do what you got to do. I hope gritty shows up in full costume with his bodyguards and, signs on his hoverboard that would be fantastic (laughs) i'd be all for it you should streamline that though yeah (laughs) give us something to do on the break yeah do it during one of the period intermissions at a flyers game (laughs) i'm sure he'll rip it off at some point there'll be some kind of judge judy gimmick he has in the stands or something be hilarious to make fun of it yeah well, the Flyers themselves have been playing pretty decent. They shut out the Penguins 3-0 last night, and over the weekend they beat the Kings 4-1 in a dominant display, that coming after the uh, 4-1 loss to the Canadians on Thursday, where they honestly didn't play that bad, but they came across a very hot carry price, and the team itself just was kind of sluggish uh, after their uh, battle in St. Louis the night before. So 
Overall, you know, the Flyers have been pretty good here lately. You know, they took down the Caps. They lost to Tampa Bay, though they went toe-to-toe with him through most of the game. Uh, they beat Boston in the shootout. As we all remember, Marshawn fanned on their, his attempt. Uh, they beat the Blues in overtime, thanks to Jake Voracek. Uh, and uh, obviously the Montreal Kings and Penguins game. Shane, what have you seen out of the Flyers over the last couple weeks here? Uh, well, I mean, look, it, it's I feel like a broken record because I say it on our show. I'm going to say it on your show. Like, this is exactly what I expect from the Flyers. They do not make sense. They haven't made sense for a decade. They're going to continue to not making sense. Um, but the one thing that I can say, at least over the last handful of games, is that this team, they're, I mean, look, for a lack of a better word, they're showing so much more grit than they had. Um, and that's something that you can you can appreciate. And, I mean, they're mixing and matching the lines and trying to get some guys going who hadn't been. It makes a big difference. Um, you know, those these lines seem to seem to kind of mesh right now in a way that they hadn't been during that little bit of a downstretch we had. Yeah, they, they've been a, a whole lot better team, and it's obviously they go to California against all these lowly teams and just get. I hate the beat. California trips. Oh God, they're always rough. Yeah, this, the, this one in particular was was relatively ugly. And uh, they came back, and uh, after those teams, are like, oh, man, now they have to play Tampa and Washington and Boston. This isn't going to go well. But they came back, and they did what they usually do, and that's, you know, step up to the big uh, the big teams, the big competition there. So uh, all, all things uh, point in the direction. Now they have a break. Uh, Ten days, they come back to face Pittsburgh and Colorado. Oh, ass again. I hope so. They play Pittsburgh and Colorado. I mean, that is going to be a very, very tough back-to-back. This is a Flyers team that typically does not play well after uh, after breaks. So, but usually they don't play well against bad teams, and Pittsburgh is a decent team. So, I wonder what <laughs> I wonder what kind of their uh, their karma works out here for them. What do you think, Katie? I, I gotta, gotta agree. I, I think that um, the, the Flyers are usually either at one or two ends of the spectrum. They either uh, hang with the big dogs and uh, play up um, to the style of their uh, competitors that are better than them, or they play down uh, to the level of people that are supposedly much worse than them. Um, or they may just get just totally gashed against both Pittsburgh and Colorado, who are you know, two of the best teams in the league. So honestly, I think it's a coin flip that could go either way, especially with the they're going to have like a week and a half off. So I'm not really sure. Hoping for the best. Do you have like bunk beds that you're sitting with a microphone wire and swinging it whilst talking out of curiosity? Oh, no, I'm, I'm just sitting in my room. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. It's an, uh, it's no, no, you're good. Yeah, and and you know, from a roster perspective, you know, some players are eating up. JVR, uh, the, his his uh, streaky ass as he is, is finally kind of getting good on the line with uh, Giroux and Konechny. Uh, Konechny's been on fire. Jake Voracek has been lighting up the league pretty much ever since he got back from Curtis's break. So you know, it is nice to see that they are getting some contributions from players not named to Travis Konechny, who has essentially been carrying the team all season. So it, it's good to see. It's still a very win by committee team in the sense of there's not one guy kind of carrying the load here. Uh, Konechny does have the uh, point lead by a couple now, but Sean Couturier is hot in his heels. Um, 
So it's, it's nice to see they do have that, you know, the, the entire team is kind of producing this, but that'll come in handy, especially in the playoffs, if they make the playoffs. You know, we've seen teams like last year, you know, Colorado uh, had that one line and then uh, Calgary shut them down and they weren't able to do anything past that. So it is nice to have the, the depth in the playoffs, but, you know, I do wish that there was more individual success here amongst these players. Yeah, man, I, I, I'm kind of on the opposite end of that, honestly. I love having quality depth. Um, I do think it's so difficult in, in today's NHL to, to roll out four lines and to have legitimate scoring threats on each one of them. Like we're not going to have a hundred point score. We don't have a Connor McDavid. That's just not how it works. But you know, we we have a, a legitimate creator on each line. We have a legitimate scorer on each line, or at least as legitimate as they get in Philadelphia. Um, you know, and then we have someone who who's able to kind of float between lines. You know, I, I feel like we have a team full of like Raffles, Jeruz, uh, I I guess JVR. Um, you know, in terms of like style of player, so I, I'm pretty okay with it. Um, but at a certain point, you're not wrong. Like our superstars, quote unquote, need to be superstars, and I'm okay with that being in the playoffs and not right now. We had uh, David Pignata on from the fourth period on Monday night, and he essentially said, your top guys need to be your top guys. And that has been not always the case. You know, James and Reamsdyke hasn't been producing for long stretches of time. Jake Voracek, you know, kind of goes hot and cold. Sean Couturier has been pretty consistent all season. Giroux has been kind of invisible lately. I guess he's racking up some points, but, you know, it's just... His overall play just hasn't been there. But, you know, they just kind of need them all to, to kind of hit that next level, especially now that they're as tight as they are in the playoff race. They're technically on the outside looking in tonight. Uh, they're six, tied with 60 points with Columbus, but uh, Blue Jackets hold the tiebreaker for the second wild card spot. So they just I, – I, I'm glad they have the depth. Don't get me wrong, but at the same time, you got to kind of ask a little more from your top guys and a little more from just everybody at this point. Yeah, I think, well, you, you mentioned it, the, the Giroux thing. Um, I laughed out loud, like in your notes that you sent out, you're like, is Drew declining? Or I think you just said Drew is de- declining. Like you just made this statement in your, <laughs> in your notes you sent over. And I was like, okay, I guess I got to resign today. Um, didn't know that was happening. Um, but like at a certain point, like your, your body starts talking to you to steal one from Josh McCown. Um, and you gotta, you gotta kind of pay attention. Um, you know, and I think what you're seeing right now, and you mentioned it from the Christmas break on, you're seeing a guy like Jake Voracek who maybe has a bit more in the tank than what Drew has, which is weird because I'm pretty sure he's a year older, if I'm not mistaken. I can't even, yes, I think so. um, but he certainly plays with more of an edge. Um, but like when Clojure is at his best, like he's essentially a fuck you hockey player. Um, like every highlight that you have, especially the, the one that is so overplayed, but I'm going to watch it every time I see it. Uh, the shift, right? Yeah. That is nothing but fuck you. I'm a better hockey player than you. Don't come in my city. Um, he doesn't have that like for 23 minutes a night anymore. Like that's just not going to happen. Um, but I'm okay with him being able to produce at the level he's producing right now. So long as that F you version of him appears come playoff time or come that like late push if we're still on the outside looking in. Yeah, we've been theorizing on the show for a couple of weeks what it is because I mean, all season long, and I noticed this back in in you know October, November, like he just seemed a tad slower, you know, just just a just a step short of what he used to be. And as the season continues here, you know, maybe declining isn't the right word, but I mean, is he hurt? Is this is is he 
is he slowing down? Is this an injury? Is it a combination of both? Like it's it's to a point where it's noticeable now. And you know, I, I by no means listen in September, October, whatever it was. I did we did a whole episode here. Uh, Anthony DeMarco and I did a whole episode why Giroux is the greatest flyer of all time. Like I I love Claude Giroux, but at the same time, you know, I, I do look at his play. I mean, he's on pace for his lowest point total since I believe the lockout year, and uh, it's just. One of those things that it does kind of worry me a little bit. Now, if he's kind of reserving it for playoff time and he comes back and he is, you know, like a 25-year-old again come June, like, I'm not going to be too angry at him. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe it's like reverse dad energy. Like, he had a kid and he was just like, I guess I'm going (laughs) to slow down for a little bit and just play with the kid some, which, like, I respect. Like, if you're going to do that, that's cool. Do your thing. Um, But, like, come game, like, 72, 73, like, maybe you should – be the deadbeat dad for like two and a half weeks. That's all. <laughs> just like set the kid aside. Let Ryan, which is a cool name for a chick, by the way, take care of the kid. That's what she's there for for right now. And then go out there and win some fucking hockey games. Yeah, I think uh, part of it, I think, can also be attributed to G's been playing center as of late, which I, I don't think we've actually seen him do well for about maybe three seasons now. Um, so that could definitely have an effect on it. But he is playing with uh, Konechny and, and JVR as of the past few games. I, I, I'm actually not – I don't hate the fact that he moved back to center as much simply because Kevin Hayes is here to eat more of that bullet rather than putting all the weight of, of you know the defensive responsibilities on center. I, I don't think he uh, – he should be at wing at this point in his career to – give him the longevity moving forward. But I don't hate the fact that he's playing center simply because you have two tanks in Couturier and Hayes to carry most of the, you know, the defensive responsibility that comes along with it. You know, they've been playing relatively uh, even minutes of three of them. So it is, in that sense, it is nice that they have that. But, you know, I still think you're on the wing in terms of preservation would be the way to go uh, for here on out. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. If you want to preserve, absolutely. But, Philadelphia is like enamored by point totals. Yes. Like it's like the only thing that they can they can see. Like they can't watch a hockey game and be like, and not look at the score sheet. And be like, well, this guy didn't do anything. Like he's he's got zeros all across the board. Well, he may have played a great fucking game, um, but Philadelphia doesn't understand that. So like in in effort to kind of help that kind of fan, at a certain point, like wing probably shuts the city up for like five minutes maybe yeah which would be lovely because flyers twitter is terrible um <laughs> but uh no offense if you guys are on it and like if you are definitely rate and review the pod but um like his he, he has to create with different line mates every night out of the center position whilst taking you know face-offs from both zones it, it, it like dan you're right it just it it wears on you and at 32 i think he is now yes um, you know, it, it's, it's a lot, but if you want those numbers, I, he's going to put up some numbers. If, if you throw him back onto that wing and like, especially come playoff time, like if you want to land a scog, you know, type of line over there, like that one Colorado line, which didn't work as you mentioned, but if you want it, you can have it. We have yeah. the talent here. Yeah. And, and you mentioned the point totals. Kevin Hayes is another one of those guys that, I mean, he's been having a phenomenal season from start to love finish him. here. I, I love Kevin he's Hayes. Cool. And, uh, you know, there was a uh, stretch there, as I wait for this page to load, uh, from, 
I guess it would have been back in November when he didn't do a lot of scoring. And, oh, he's not good, Daniel. He can't hang, Daniel. He can't do this. But reality was he was their best two-way guy not named Sean Couturier. And, I mean, he's been carrying that load all season. And even in the games when he's not scoring, you know, like last night, he had the phenomenal penalty kill where he killed 18 seconds of the five-on-three or whatever it was uh, Mm -hmm. there just by having the puck in the zone and skating around Pittsburgh like they're a bunch of fucking idiots. And, uh, you know, even the nights when he's not, you know, scoring offensively, he means so much more to this team. And, like, I was very... Uh, uh, cautious when they signed Kevin Hayes. I'm like, oh boy, here we go. You know, another overpaid guy, another JVR coming to lineup. But I have never been uh, so happy to be wrong of a player before because Kevin Hayes is 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 the greatest flyer of all time. You're wrong about Jake Voracek too. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> <laughs> I will fight that fight forever. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, man. No, his two his two way game right now is. Like it's weird to sit there and say that like you have that much fun watching a guy who doesn't point produce like a Connor McDavid type, but holy shit, man! Like last night, so I was at mercifully because I didn't have to hear the broadcast like the rest of you people. Oh god! Um, <laughs> but uh, but I was at a bar last night uh, for trivia because like I'm an adult and that's what you do now. Um, <laughs> and I'm watching this game and they're writing mistakenly writing my reactions down to that 18 second uh, kill where he was just like. Matisse Thibel on skates. It was crazy. Um, and whatever the hell I yelled, they wrote down as an answered response. So, like, <laughs> I was pretty proud of that. <laughs> yeah, it was It was amazing. It was probably one of the most incredible things I've seen in, in quite some time that wasn't a highlight reel goal or something. It was just it's incredible what he brings to the penalty kill. And, and the penalty kill has turned around entirely because of him. The power play, yeah. on the other hand, has been a goddamn disaster. But the, the <laughs> penalty kill, I mean, it was one of their worst things. And Now, granted, when you have, you know, Yuri Letera out there versus Kevin Hayes, it's a bit of an improvement, you know, a yeah. little bit. You're the Coke <laughs> empire. It's, it's amazing he wasn't faster. Yeah, you would think that he would uh, have some feet under him, but... A little bit. I guess not. Yeah. I mean... It's so cliche to say, but, like, Kevin Hayes really does do all of the little things right. I could care less what point totals he puts up by the end of this year, but, damn, he is such a fun player to watch. It's been a long time, and somebody said, you know, last night they were talking about last time there was this good a penalty killer, and they mentioned Mike Richards as last one, and that's probably true. I can't think of I can't think of anybody from since then in the last decade that was any kind of fun to watch on the penalty kill. Chris Vandevelde? Hard no. Belmire? Latera? But yeah, man, I, well, and you have like a legitimate like threat threat. Like you have a finisher there. Like Scott Lawton may have the same amount of breakaways on, on on PKs as him, but like iron glass, anything but the fucking net. Yeah. Kevin Hayes must have like a shooting percentage right now, which I don't know for all, all the people who, who love stats. Um, it, it's got to be, I, I don't know, Hall of Fame worthy. Like he's got to be hitting, I would say like 750 right now. He's filthy. His, uh, he's got percentage two. This year is at 11.4, which is actually relatively low for him, but not. Uh, well, he'll fit right in. Still got time. To, uh, to turn that around. 14 goals, 27 points for Kevin Hayes thus far, which is essentially right in the middle of the pack. We got uh, 
Konechnia is 43, Couturier 43, Voracek 38, Drew 35, Van Riemsdyk 27, or 29 rather, Kevin Hayes 27, Ivan Provorov 25. So a whole lot of guys that are essentially right in the middle of things. Konechnia obviously getting the pack, Sean Couturier has been putting up a lot of points doing relatively quietly. Uh, in terms of Sean Couturier standards, usually uh, he, he is a little bit more flashy. Voracek has been, again, lighting it up since uh, the Christmas break. I believe he has eight or nine assists in that span as well. So all kinds of uh, – it, it's it, listen, they're picking a good time of year to get their offense going, and I just hope that this break doesn't ruin their momentum because that has a tendency of doing that in the past. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think we have a gift in, in, in but, like, if I'm coming back after a lengthy break, I want to play my most hated rival. Like I want that little bit of extra juice to, to show up to the rink. Uh, just, just to have them skate legs there. Like that's a game I'm going to get up for. Um, you know, so even if they don't win that game, I feel like it's at least a game to, to go in there and just immediately find your legs again. I thought that was a great game to, to start the break too. Uh, Cause with the last game before the break, you want to end on a high note. Yeah. Who better to get up for than the most hated rival? And, Very and much so. Shutting them out, nonetheless, which I believe the first time they said since 2016 that happened. Uh, which you know, th- there was a time when they would play the Penguins, and I'd be, I would look forward to it because it'd be like a guaranteed win in a guaranteed fun game, especially past, at home. Yeah, the past couple of years it's like, oh god, you know, they're going to get fucking slaughtered. They got slaughtered earlier in the year, seven to one. I went to the bar last night. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you one bit. If things would have gone south, this bottle of rum would have been in my stomach by now. But there you go. Yeah, it's uh. It was good to see. They played a very, very strong game against the Penguins. I mean, Elliott was strong when he had to be, which is good because he's been wildly inconsistent this season. Uh, the defense uh, has been great. Uh, Sanheim and Myers are turning their game around, which is good because they're not getting you know lit up every night anymore. Uh, the offense was very strong as well from Voracek, JVR, and Justin Braun scored his third of the season, which he's uh, his career high is five. So he, you know, it looks like he could surpass that. Uh, any time, but the the worst part of the game last night was listening to Mike Milbury all night long, uh, which was <laughs> just the worst. See, again, made a quality life decision last night. What were some of the worst things he said? I don't even know. Like I, I saw a, a handful of videos on Twitter, but that was it. There was the one, Justin Braun scored the empty net goal, and Lou Nolan in the background, and the goal is Justin Braun! And Mike Miller goes, Oh, just an audible <laughs> sigh. It was fantastic. Nice. I like that. But it was all uh, just... Of course, any... Go ahead. Oh, oh sorry. Uh, of course, anytime Sidney Crosby touched the puck, he was always going on and on about how he's, you know, the greatest player ever and all that jazz and how dominant he's been against the Flyers, the, you know, pretty much his whole career. He's got the most points against the Flyers of any active player, and they dealt with injuries, and they're still standing tall and coming back. Oh, my God. It's just just three hours of just putting the Penguins over. It's like, oh, that was painful to listen to last night. That's amazing. Do you think other cities recognize that the way that Philadelphia does? It's like it's very noticeable in the city of Philadelphia with all four sports teams, just how, like, not liked they are from the national media. It's amazing. I often wonder that. Like, do they know how? Like, bad are we it just is? petty? <laughs> yeah, right. Is it? I don't know. I don't think. Which, so. like, I think Gritty's off. Gritty's off punching kids. So, like, he's, I don't he's really know busy. he's got a stake in some of this. He's in jail right now. It's true. <laughs> he's underneath the old vet. 
Oh, God. That gritty sounds fantastic. I'm going to laugh about that forever. That's going to be a living meme for the rest of time now. I hope so. It's going to assault people. and I don't know. That's uh, Carter Hart, the home and away numbers. Now, this has been <laughs> the uh, pretty much for both goaltenders. Elliot's been a little more... Uh, inconsistent as far as his performances, whereas Carter Hart's just been really bad on the road. Location, home games, 13-2-2, a 9.40 save percentage, and a 169 goals against. And on the road, he's 2-9-1 with an 8.50 save percentage and a 401 goals against, which is the difference between a Vesna trophy and an ECHL backup. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> how do you, how does one even go about? And I've been trying to do it for weeks. How do you explain such a difference? And and you can say the team was you know better. And quite frankly, it's the whole team you know not showing up on the road and they come home and and they dominate. And it's just it's one of the more bizarre things because these numbers are so bipolar. You know, they're at two different extremes that it's hard to even sit here and be like, well, it's it's them not showing up or this or that. Like, how, how do you even begin to explain how these numbers are so different? Well, they're not allergic to momentum, like, at all. Uh, every other Philadelphia team is allergic to momentum, but the Flyers certainly are not. Like, at home, I mean, despite the Wells Fargo Center never seating more than, I don't know, like 75% capacity right now, um, Carter Hart, you know, s steals you a, a, a game or, or a sequence there where he makes a couple saves that he really probably shouldn't. Uh, you get the energy behind you, your forward groups, your defensive groups, they go out there and they probably make something happen in the next few few shifts there too, uh, and that look that translates to wins. It translates to confidence on the ice. Um, you know, an assertiveness on the ice on the road. Like Carter Hart doesn't make that save. Like I feel like every first period with Carter Hart right now, he makes there's like two or three shots that have like you're right. An, an ECHL backup goaltender is going to make those saves. Shit, I could make those saves accidentally, like just <laughs> scooting across the ice. Yeah. Uh, and that's really deflating. And then when you're on the road and you got to deal with the other team's arena, which is, I hope, more than 75% full, because uh, hockey is a, a great sport for all of North America who doesn't watch it. Um, but uh, I just think it's really, really hard. And then at the end of the day, he's still a second-year goaltender, figuring out, I mean, beyond figuring out the game and all the different pieces and systems that have now been run in front of him over his year and a half, uh, well, year, technically collectively at the NHL level. Like he's also 21 years old. Like he's learning how to be a human, like an actual one Yeah, traveling the country. I think that's just tough and notoriously second year goaltenders. I mean, everyone's talked about that at nauseum, but second year goaltenders, they struggle. And I genuinely write this year off as like he could end this year with those splits. And I just don't care. I don't think there's anything to worry about long term. Uh, you know, uh, there is a lot of growing pains, especially in the position of goaltender, which is the hardest to do. Um, and, and for the most part, he's handled himself well. You know, he's been lights out at the Wells Fargo Center. And oh, yeah. It, it, maybe it is just the, the travel and the road. And again, once they get in these funks like they were uh, in the California trip where it's just nothing goes right and nobody's playing very well, you know, and, and he gets hung out to dry. So, yeah. I have to ask this. I, I can't remember. I'm on Twitter so infrequently. It's such a problem. I'll eventually do that thing again. Um, but are, are either one of you one of the ones who have tweeted like, well, for the rest of the year, we might as well just play Carter at home and Brian Elliott on the road. Are either one of you the ones who tweeted that? No, but I've seen a lot of it. And you? I haven't seen that. Miss? No, not you? 
awesome. Uh, they're fucking idiots. Just gonna throw his hat out there. Um, and uh, spoiler, had either of you said that you had texted that or tweeted that, I would have again called you both idiots. So wouldn't have changed my response. Just would have been funnier. Um, but yeah, that's dumb as hell. Then I would be worried about Carter Hart long term, and I would be worried about uh, Brian Elliott, you know, surviving a season. For what Helped it's him. worth, here Brian Elliott at home is a four uh, one and two with a nine twenty three save percentage and a two eleven goals against on the road. He's eight four and one with an eight ninety five and a three twenty nine. So those numbers aren't any better. I mean, they're a little better, but yeah, in the grand scheme, he's uh, setting the world on fire either. Yeah, it's it's not. He's had some bigger saves. He's had a couple good games that just get buried by some bad games. But, you know, I mean, his numbers aren't that good either. And I, I think it's just Hart is so abysmal that Elliot just being a step above <laughs> abysmal, you know, makes it seem like he's the better option. But realistically, it, it, the stats tell the story here, and it's not that great. Yeah, man, for sure. It's – I don't know. Again, I – I can't stress this enough. I have this conversation with the three and a half other people in Philadelphia who watch hockey. Uh, <laughs> like the, the smart people that watch hockey, I should say. Um, I think it's impossible to have any type of like lasting concerns right now. Like for, for the team and organization as a whole, like the rebranding and rebuilding an identity that is flowing through like two different cores. Like you, you have like the G and Voracek. Then you have like the Katuri is kind of like a core in himself because he's fucking incredible and, the hockey or the hockey league in, in general should probably recognize him uh, as such. And then you have like the connectness and stuff, you know, it, it's, it's so weird to see the, the phases that are brought throughout this, this, uh, this locker room that man, I, I've, I've just got a tweet from the AB thing. And I'll, I'll my at home. What the fuck is going on with that guy? I don't know. All right, I can't remember where I was going with that. My bad. Y'all can go. You can keep talking. <laughs> I'm about to get fired on the first night of this. This is absurd. I got to not have alerts on my phone because, like, too many athletes are dumb as fuck. I think that's the truth. Uh, where were we? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I'm not worried about Carson long term either. I think he'll be just fine. I think this is just kind of a blip on the radar and just adjusting to life in the NHL. Speaking of other young kids uh, dusting to life in the NHL, Joel Farabee (laughs) here. Uh, You know, he essentially over the last couple weeks has been taking the role of fourth-line grinder, you know, the the enforcer role, punching people in the face rather than playing hockey. And, you know, players typically do that when they make the jump. You know, Scott Lawn is another example. You know, when he was drafted, he was a high-scoring center predicted to be, you know, their top six guy for, for years to come. And reality is that didn't happen. And he became one of their better bottom six two-way guys. And Farabee, I think, is still very much finding his uh, momentum here. He has looked good lately. I believe he scored two goals, one against uh, L.A. and the other one against Montreal, I believe. Uh, yeah. So he did have an assist last night uh, against Pittsburgh. The points aren't coming yet. Because his ice time has been inconsistent, you know, for a long time before last night, you know, he was regularly seeing, you know, 9 to 10 minutes. He saw 16.40 last night. So he looked a little jittery on the top line, I guess would be the word. You know, a little, a little, he had a breakaway very early on in the game that he put so far wide of Jerry that it wasn't even close. <laughs> uh, so 
I, I, it's, it's a growing pain for him. But, you know, much like Frost, I think an extended stint in the AHL wouldn't hurt at this point. But he does show that he has it, but he's just not quite there yet. And it seems like they're intent on letting Farabee work through his growing pains while he's up here on the main roster. Yeah, I I would be... Uh, I said the same thing with Nolan Patrick, honestly. I, I think a lot of these guys uh, you know, that, that are drafted kind of in the middle of that, that first round, it's late first round, um, so few guys have the the mental like fortitude to, to come up and play at the NHL level or the bodies, frankly. I mean like he's like he may have like size but not know how to use it yet. Um I I genuinely believe that for him and most of those guys, let them go down there and find their game and find some confidence. Like let him come back up at the NHL level after you know ripping off twelve points in a week or something. Um, you know, but like right now, I I mean look I'm I'm glad he's out of the, the fourth line role right now because it didn't make sense. Um, you know, I already have Nolan Patrick dealing with lifelong concussion syndromes right now. Like, let's let's not get Joel Farabee murdered too. Um, sent, I would, I would absolutely do that. I, I like German Rubstoff a lot. Um, I know other people don't, um, but I'm not out on him, and I don't think his ceiling is anywhere as high as uh, Farabee. I would let German Rubstoff fill out a bottom six role and let uh, Farabee go down and and kind of you know mature down at the ahl level for like a month or two see what happens yeah i was honestly kind of surprised that they didn't send him down after it was like a long long stretch of time where he was just kind of he looked like he sort of fit in and some games it looked like he you know just couldn't really hang but i guess the the demotion to the bottom six served him well uh but i mean everybody had been clamoring you know we want we want our young stars up here, Frost and Farabee, but if, if they're not going to be, you know, playing in a, a, you know, top six role then, or a middle six role, then, you know, it's not worth having them here. So um, to see him get put back up on uh, uh, Voracek and Katerina's line, I thought that was a really good sign. Um, it looks promising for him going into the Wallace break. Yeah, and and sending Frost down was absolutely the right move. You know, I attend a lot of Phantoms games. I'm, I live in the area, so I'm there a lot. And it's it's it was it was absolutely the right thing to send Frost down. It, he just wasn't. He was treading water at the NHL. He, just not playing very well. He's been fine upon his return, but you know, there were still growing pains. And I remember talking about it in October. You know, when I was at the Phantoms games, when Frost was still down there, it's like he's scoring goals. He had a seven-game point streak, whatever. His numbers were nice. But at the end of the day, his overall play away from the puck wasn't there. And that's exactly what we saw when he got up to the NHL. You know, he had a few offensive tricks up his sleeve. He tried a couple fancy shots that didn't work. But his overall play just wasn't there. And sending him down was the right move. Farabee, you know, they do seem committed to work through this guy. But again, if you're playing him on the fourth line for, you know, eight minutes a night, just leave fucking Rubsov and Torinsky or Bunneman or, or Kasha or, you know, whoever. There are better options there. I, I do like Farabee for the most part. He does always seem like he's on the verge of breaking out. You know, he does have some nice little offensive tricks up his sleeve uh, that he seems to pull out every now and again uh, as far as passing goes, but he just haven't really been able to connect. So it, it does seem like they're going to let him the trial by fire here and let him go that way. But at the end of the day, I do think, you know, setting him down. And listen, if they would have kept him in the AHL this whole time, from October to right now, they could probably be calling him up now and he'd be good to go. 
you know, so it, it is one of those things that, you know, it, development doesn't hurt. And I know it feels like I'm talking out about both sides of my mouth here. Where I'm saying we got to gear it for the playoffs, but you got to keep your two top prospects down there. But, you know, it, these are two guys that there's no reason to rush them at this point. I would rather wait another year and just finish out this year and have Frost and Farabee develop and have them ready to go for next season than I would try and, you know, for force that square pig in a round hole for the next couple months and just, you know, have them just kind of fade out and be them bottom six guys and not the stars that we know they could be. Yeah, like, this is this is year one of a window. Like, a year one of AV, first full complete year of Carter Hart, Chuck Fletcher for that matter. Um, you know, it's kind of that, that tail end of Drew, and that is what it is. But, like, you're not winning a cup this year. You know, at a certain point, you you want to get your guys some playoff you know, experience some, some postseason hockey experience. And I think that you're going to be able to trip over your dick and do that. Like, I, I think there's enough talent within this organization to get a seventh or eighth seed. Um, I'm not overall worried about that. And if you can do that without having to sit there and only play six to eight minutes a night for some of your young guys, keep them down in the AHL, let them sit there and, and, and get ready. Who, the, uh, who was it? Someone on Pittsburgh or Boston, uh, a couple of years back, didn't play his first game until the what two nights before for playoffs started, and then burst onto the scene. Can't remember who the hell it was. That's a terrible loss on my part, but whatever. <laughs> um, like th- that's the type of thing that you you can see. I could see happening because you're right, Joel Faraby. For a lot of the reasons that you said, Frost isn't great at, at the NHL level. Was kind of treading water. Um, his hockey awareness is good. Like he knows where his line mates are he knows which demon are pinching and aren't like he 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 knows what to do just hasn't all put it all together yet yes frost doesn't really look like that frost still kind of looks like i think i'm the best player in the ice right now i'm gonna try some shit and man that's not okay um and the game's faster he didn't pick that up as quickly as farabee did um you know, so to me, I agree, man. Keep keep them down in the AHL, let them mature, and uh, and let the your true bottom six prospects, you know, just turn style it out the way they've been. I believe Rubsov only had like four and a half, yeah, four minutes and twenty seven seconds of ice time last night. Yeah, it's disappointing. I I love that kid. Like I, I think I love him most because he got all those scandals that, that came with him around draft time. Uh, and I, I just, I eat that shit up, man. I, if you're a bad dude, like I want you on my team, don't even care. And he wasn't <laughs> even a bad guy. He's like just a 16 year old kid who like took some steroids. like one time, cause his crazy Russian Olympic coach was like, take this. And he was like, sure coach. Um, and I'm like, I'm pretty okay with that. Like AV is going to be like, Hey, go out there, score goals. Like, yes, coach. That's a, it's a good hockey player. That's what I want. Um, not to mention the airsoft gun thing. I think that's pretty sweet too. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think he's a he's a great bottom six guy, or could be a great bottom six guy, but not at four minutes a night. Yeah, I, I at that point they should have just called up like Torinsky or something, somebody with less of a ceiling than, than shit. Of. Anyone? Yeah. Why? Why even? I I talk about this with Steve all the time. Um, I don't understand the point in having someone dress if they're going to play five minutes a night. Like, if you have a forward that's going to play five fucking minutes a night, dress them as a defenseman, like. Just, I know it's unorthodox, but like it's a waste of a hockey player. Five fucking minutes a night—that's absurd. And it was—it would, it would be one of those things I'd be far more mad about if they didn't elevate Farabee. Like Rubsov took the bullet so Farabee could have a good game. Like I'm okay with that, but at the end of the day, it's still—you know—Farabee four twenty-seven. 
Connor Bunneman, 554. Like, that's what, three, four shifts the entire game? You know? Yeah, it's it's tough. And, like, like, I don't really like at that point. Like, you're sitting still for most of the game. You're just, you know, shifting cheek by cheek down the bench, getting closer to AV for him to never put you in the fucking game anyway. Like, it's got to be hard to get up there and get on the ice and then have your full skate legs ready to go. Why do you think uh, AB only put them out there for that long? Is it just because they're not, you know, not terribly experienced? At least Ruby and who else is on that line? Uh, Abi Cabell, I believe, is down there. Yeah. Uh, also love Abi Cabell. Yeah. Oh, he's he's awesome. Abi yeah, Cabell is a firecracker. Just he's ever so since fun. his call up, you know, and he's he's actually the opposite of Robiev. I uh, like I said, I'm, I'm at the fans, but Robiev is great. With Lehigh, and then he comes up and he looks like he totally forgets how to play hockey. Abe Cabell was having a rough season with the Phantoms, and then he gets called up, and he's he's been probably their most consistent player just in terms of energy. And he played he stirred the pot a lot early in the game last night. I feel like all of his eight seventeen was played in the first period, and then didn't play much throughout the game because he didn't see much of him later. But Abe Cabell's been a goddamn firecracker for them, and uh, a welcome addition, especially since I was not expecting a whole lot given his less than stellar run with the Phantoms early in the season. Yeah, yeah, I wish that, I'd played him more often. Yeah. I'm actually pretty, like, if you give him 8, 10 minutes and it's mainly in the first, like, 25, 30 minutes of the hockey game, and then that allows for, you know, guys like uh, like Jake to, to get double shifted later, uh, you know, get those pretty goals, I'm, I'm pretty okay with that usage of, like, the 8 to 10 minutes. Um, but, yeah, I... I Vorobiev pisses me off to no end. I can't. I, I'm so angry you even said his name right now. <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't stand him anymore. He's had so many tries, and every time, again, it just looks like he forgets how to play hockey. I don't get it, man. Like it's weird as hell. He because I go to a lot of Phantoms games too, right? And, and like he is so assertive and decisive. Yes. Like he gets on the ice and knows exactly what the fuck he's going to do, where he's going, where people are. He it, I, he looks so studied. Like he just knows people's weaknesses and exploits them. Just like that. Gets to the NHL level, and he's just like, these are all my older brothers, and I think they fucking hate me. And he just is all timid and falls off to the side and has no assertiveness. It is maddening. I'm like, man, that guy should probably get punched by Gritty. It's just every time he goes down, he looks great. And then he gets called up and he can't do anything. And it drives me nuts! Because how can you look so good in one league and just forget how to play in another? And it could just be, you know, the half-step difference in speed at the NHL, but... God, it just drives me crazy that he can't get it together. I, it should be another, legitimately, it should be another, like, very, very good two-way center. Yes. Yep. Like, could you imagine having, if he actually played the level and potential and confidence that he has at the AHL, AHL level, brought that up here, and we have Couturier, Hayes, him, like, that's it's pretty good two-way hockey centers that you got going on right there. Um, and that just just doesn't fucking work. Because Misha Varobi is a piece of shit. Remember last year when we all thought he was going to be the new third-line center out of a hot training camp, and then he just shit the bed immediately? That's not true. He scored, like, his first game on, like, an empty net because the goaltender <laughs> fell and tripped. I don't know, a skate blade broke. And then from that point on, it was hell. Oh, uh, but, yeah, I was pissed off because of I, I lost that bet. <laughs> First beginning of the season, he's, he's back down. Yeah, it's just too bad. He frustrates the hell out of me. Same. 
my my guess is he flees to Russia after the year's contract is up at the end of the season. I don't think the Flyers show any interest in resigning him, considering he hasn't shown anything at the NHL level. But yeah, I doubt it. Oh, well, won't be a big loss. There, there'll be more. Yeah. And uh, Bunneman, oh, they sent Lion, Bunneman, and Rubsov down. Obviously, the Phantoms play a couple more games here before their all-star break. So they're going to send him down. If they never call Alex Lyon back up again, it'll be too soon. Yes. <laughs> I hate that man. He's another one I get angry at for, like, no reason. He's just, like, a guy. He's but, just, like, just a dude. He is, man. But, like... I get irrationally angry. Like I get these articles like that just pop up, whether it's Bleacher Report or people I follow on Twitter mistakenly, and you know, like, oh, hey, read this thing about Alex Lyon. Read this thing about you know Mikhail Vorobiev, and oh, they're turning the corner. And you know, no, they're fucking not, man. Like I don't care if he scores eighty-five points a week. Mikhail Vorobiev is garbage. If Nothing you, you if write. If you can't do it and in the then, NHL, it doesn't matter. I just get angry reading it. Like someone, like people must think that I'm having bowel movements whilst like clothed. <laughs> Like, huh. I'm sitting there reading these things just with a scowl on my face, just, like, getting, like, more and more, like, concentrated on how much I hate everything that I'm reading. But, like, to a casual observer, that's got to look weird. <laughs> like you're shitting your pants. All right. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I've never done that, like, as an adult, by the way, like, because I've grown up. But. Okay. Thank you for the clarification. <laughs> for clarification. That is correct. I, I think in my, my, I don't know, infancy youth. Hmm. When you're supposed to. Right. When well, it's still topic. acceptable to. to... <laughs> First and last three years of your life. Anything after that, it's a bad day. Unacceptable. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I learned something today. Shane's serious face looks like he's shit in his pants. I, I mean, I assume. I don't know. You have to look in the mirror next time you're doing it. That's going to be weird. I, I'm going to not do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, like we said, the Flyers come back next Friday to play Pittsburgh and Colorado. What a hell of a home and home that is. Jesus. Going uh, to be a rough one there. But like I said, maybe they'll carry the momentum for Pittsburgh. These are two really good teams, so maybe they won't, won't fall to their curse. But this team has never been good after a break, so... Hopefully they, they can win some games because, I mean, from standings-wise, they essentially, you know, just can't lose again for the rest of the season. <laughs> yeah, they have, uh, I think they have 60 points, and they're still not in a playoff spot. That's insane. Tied for the second wildcard spot with Columbus, but Columbus holds the tiebreaker at the moment. So I do feel like every year we always have games in hand, and this year, like, we've played more <laughs> hockey than everyone. It's really fucking things up for me. Which I'm so crazy. used to sitting it's, there. It's crazy because they only played like two games the first three weeks of the season with all their teams. I know. And they somehow absurd. caught up with everybody. And and that's, like I said, I'm so used to like kind of cruising towards you know that last month of the season being like, oh, we still got like a game or two in hand. Like we're good here. Like we have the opportunity for four more points that are, you know, someone two spots ahead of us doesn't. Well, that ain't the case this year. So no. you're right. Perfect season. The last 31 games or whatever. No losses. <laughs> well, if they get Carter Hart back, maybe they'll, they'll stand a chance and all the games are on home ice. But, <laughs> you know, that'll be uh, that'll be the story here. Obviously not a whole lot uh, more to touch upon given the break. 
Um, just got done with an O&B. Be sure to check that out at O&B Puck for that link. We had uh, David Pignata on on Monday, like we were talking about, on Monday on uh, Burley Pod. Check that out if you've not listened to that episode yet. Angry Negative from last night. Angry Negative tomorrow night with Nick Costa. We'll break down the first half of the Flyers season and re- uh, do a preview for the second half, which should be a lot of fun. Um, Shane, where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, on Twitter, you can find me. It's at Shane underscore Mead. And uh, Katie? Uh, you can find me at uh, uh, Nolan Patrick, but the the first A in Patrick is a four. All right. And uh, that's just about it for us, everybody. We'll be back again tomorrow night. So uh, until then, everybody, goodbye and good night. <laughs>